Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Happy football season. Now we're into it. All the way, well, I guess one game in. But happy football season. It's a great time of year. Fall approaches and Bill's season approaches. And uh, I don't know, Bert, hopefully things go well for us this year. Yes, I can tell you we are prepared with a full shelf of beer line cleaner, 316th tubing, and all the stuff you need to get your draft system going for football season, as well as, you know, all the great ingredients if you need to make some beer. I'll need exactly that kind of stuff because the move is complete. Um, I'm actually, it's funny, like, if you have a baby, you make a nursery, right? Yeah. We don't have a baby, but I have a kegerator, mm-hmm. and I need to make some beer for it. And I need, I've got this, we've got this extra room in our downstairs where the kegerator is going to call home. It's like a little bar. Nice. So we're in the process of like making the beer nursery because this is where the <laughs> keg's going to go, a couch, when I put a TV on the wall, it's going to have really classy floor. Like it's a little bar room in my house. So, you know, you're talking about cleaning out your draft lines. Like I'm a few steps away from that, but, you know, my brewing is going to be ramped back up. As soon as we get this uh, beer nursery in place. I might just call it the beer nursery. Nice. Are you going to brew in there? Uh, I mean, the kitchen is right next to it. I've also got an operational garage. Thinking about got like, a lot of options. Right. Thinking about going out in the garage, you know, going all grain, getting the huge burnt. Like, every th- the whole world has opened up to me. With now that the, you have uh, the space. It, yeah. it, def- it definitely helps. Um you know, I uh, I've you know moved around from a lot of places and, and uh, have acquired a lot of equipment, and it always seems like as I brew and find new space, I find new equipment, and all of a sudden need more space. Yeah. So I need to look at expanding my brewing area. And a being bit as well. like, I have a house now with a basement. You know, we lived in an apartment for a little while, and you know, every, I mean, how many times, how many different shows are we talking about how a basement is useful for you? Oh yeah, no, and, especially around here, it's it's a godsend. You can be fermenting like California lagers or Bohemian lagers in the summer, and still be getting that sixty to sixty-five degrees again in the winter yep. as well. Yep. Um, and so anybody who has a nice, you know, stone or concrete basement, you already have your nice little fermentation chamber down there. Yeah. So I'll I'll put that to good use at some point. Finally. Like I said, um, I'm, I'm excited to get into a lot more than I did before just because I have the opportunity to. Anyway, by the way, good morning. Jeremy White, Bert Deister of Niagara Tradition. Welcome to Just Brew It, our home brewing show. It's questions from you. It's answers from us, recipes, tips, all that good stuff. Every episode is available online at uh, WGR550.com in the audio vault and uh, also at ESPN 1520. We're on at this time every Saturday on ESPN 1520. All right, so today's the deadline for the Niagara Homegrown Homebrew Competition. Maybe chances are you already knew that. Yeah, we've already some people have turned in some entries. we got a nice stack going. Perfect. bring them in. So today's the last day for anybody that uh, has brewed and is readying the formality of bringing it to the store. There are very few things you need to know. Three 12-ounce unmarked amber bottles. With 80% Niagara malt. And if that's all you have, come on in. We can help you fill out the forms. We can help you, you know, tag the bottles and get everything ready to enter. So BG, BJCP sanctioned? You got it. Which means for everyone Which involved? Means for people who are, for most people, it's going to mean not much. Right. Um, but for, for people, especially the judges and people who are competing 
continually in competitions, when a competition is sanctioned, not only do uh, judges build up points so that they can keep their you know, judging criteria. If you're a national judge, you have to judge so many competitions or so many points a year in order to keep that rank. Um, and for people who are at uh, the entry level, um, they are getting points to rank towards a national competition. If you want to get into the national level competition, you first have to accumulate so many points in local competitions. Um, and those are also based on how many beers are entered. So the bigger competition locally, the more points you're going to build. Well, all right. Good to know. And again, today you can head to Niagara Tradition. You guys are open until 4 o'clock. Is that correct? 4 o'clock? You got it. So get it in by 4 o'clock today. That's the deadline. And uh, best of luck to all of our brewers. And, you know, it'll be fun to check in to see what kind of variation you got, who our winners are, and, uh, of course, you're from Niagara Malt because they're the ones that helped you guys put this on, using 80% of their malt so they could kind of get feedback on uh, how they're doing. All right, so quick follow-up to uh, last week's show, our pre-Labor Day show, uh, using new or homegrown hops. Uh, We just touched on that for a little while, talking about using your own hops, but uh, we also had a fest beer. That yeah, we were talking, you're talking about. about a couple of weeks ago that I said I was going to brew a couple of weeks ago, and I finally brewed it last Saturday. And so we did it as our part of our demo beer, so a lot of people got to come in, check it out. Uh, a couple of people are taking the, the same recipe home, making it with a different yeast, um, but it should be interesting. So we'll have that on tap eventually, but right now we have it fermenting in the the fermentation chamber so if you want to come check it out and you know see what our fermentation setup looks like come on in check and the, it out the k97 that you use that's the german ale yeast. so we're hoping to get it out by october so maybe the last day or two of october you might see it on tap um we don't want to try to rush it too much but we figured well we we hadn't decided the night before what we were going to brew um and so we never prepped any liquid yeast and then we were looking at it we said well we do want to do lager do we want to do uh kind of an alt yeast to try to get this through a little bit faster and we decided to go with the alt all right very good well today we're going to spend the uh lion's share of the show on pumpkin beer it is that time of year where if you're thinking about pumpkin beer, I think, I mean, they've hit the shelves already. Yeah. But pumpkin beer probably hits its prime from, what, late September all the way through just past Halloween? I would say so. Mid- I hope so. Could we cut it off like it, you know, don't brew a pumpkin beer after Thanksgiving? That's it? Yeah, I wouldn't like, brew one. I think you can drink them straight through right up to about Thanksgiving. Yeah. I mean, every Thanksgiving logo or sign you see has pumpkins on it. So I think pumpkin is right up to about winter. Yeah. You're good to be drinking pumpkin beer if you're going that way. So when people think about making a pumpkin beer, and this is one of the first times I ever you know, got your advice on how to do something like this, what's like the number one thing to do? Is it like I would imagine that a person who's never brewed a pumpkin beer, never thought about it, would think like, all right, I got to get some pumpkin. Yeah. And that's not true. You don't have to. Right. You don't have to. You certainly don't need a lot of it. You certainly don't need to really be worried about that primarily. Yeah, the pumpkin beer is the dread of most home brewers. I know from talking to a lot of people, and now that pumpkins are on the roadside, a lot of brewers are getting asked, hey, are you going to do a pumpkin beer again this year? Some people absolutely love them. They'll drink them day in, day out. Uh, And then to a lot of people, it's like, oh, I'm good for one or two a season. You know, like you said, maybe one or two on Halloween, and that's it. Um, But... 
this is a very common because it's you know it's something you can make with local ingredients. You can get your own pumpkin. Uh, it's a seasonal beer that you can make, and I usually try to spice it so that I can be serving it all the way through Christmas. Sadly, um, but yeah, if I mean, you like to walk the line between pumpkin, pumpkin and, winter and holiday, and holiday beer, beer, clovey. yeah, they're two beers I'm not excited about brewing, so I try to do it all hybrid. in one. Yeah, hybridize yeah. it and then. Boom. And then you just the change the name, fall. and people taste what they think they're going to taste. You got it. You got it. <laughs> That's how you trick That's them. why you want water-based glues on your labels, so that you can change them yeah. for seasons. Very good. All right, so the most important part is the base recipe. Yes, because a pumpkin really isn't adding much flavor at all. It's going to add a little bit of sugar, maybe a little bit of vegetable flavor if you're kind of lucky. Um, but other than that, there's not really much there. So you really don't put the time into what you're going to be doing with the pumpkin. People say, oh, should I put it in the mash boil? Do I roast it? Do I do canned pumpkin, fresh pumpkin? Don't worry about that. Worry about the base recipe, the beer that you're, you know, putting the pumpkin into more because that's what people are going to taste. That's what's going to be the impression. And that's usually going to be like a darker ale, an amber kind of ale? I would suggest that because when people are are thinking of a pumpkin beer, they immediately start thinking of kind of a pumpkin pie. And so they're thinking of sweet flavors. And I guess my one big uh, disaster story is this, is I put a lot of time into two beers. I did a wet hopped harvest ale with pumpkin, and then I did a spiced brown ale. And I brought them both to a Halloween party. And everybody at the party was telling me, no, you got it wrong. That's the other beer that has a pumpkin. It's a brown ale. I can taste it. And... That was a frustrating point where everybody thought, oh, you know, he's had too much to drink. He's got his beers mixed up. It's like, no, the, the pumpkin's in the Harvest Ale. It's in the IPA. Um, but so do a sweet beer. Do the beer that people are expecting, and, and you'll get a lot better um, feedback. And just really remember that the pumpkin is kind of ceremonious. It's not really contributing that much to the recipe. So think about the beer that you want and the beer you want to serve to your friends or whoever you're making this for. And when it comes to getting the pumpkin flavor, that you said it doesn't come from the pumpkin, that's kind of ceremonious, uh, it comes from the spice combination. You got it. So what spices are in the mix? I would say vanilla, yep. nutmeg, pumpkin pie spice itself. Yep. Cinnamon, um, and mauled spices. I like using mauled spices. Those are, if you're talking about a good one to cross between fall and kind of Christmas. Cloves. Uh, the cider spices, yeah, with a little bit of clove in there, just a tiny bit, a little bit of anise. Um, I've also done kind of pumpkin spice mice in the peanut butter extract. That's worked really well in the past to kind of give, like, you know, a uh, pumpkin pie with a little bit of graham cracker crust in it, too. Yeah. That works out. The peanut really butter extract, would you say peanut butter what? Yeah, peanut butter extract or loaded up with tons of victory malt to give it that really toasty, nutty flavor. Yeah. What about, like, would biscuit help there maybe? Biscuit or could help too, yeah. That's got a lot of graham cracker flavor in it as well. So those are more, much more important than the pumpkin. In fact, many pumpkin beers, I mean, you don't even, I would say most, you don't have to even buy a pumpkin, come near a pumpkin. Just no. If you, if you want to put one on the counter while you're brewing and take a picture of it and then put it out on social media, be like, I'm brewing a pumpkin beer. That's that's why you do it. And, the and best way it will I serve I would suggest you. doing what we did last year. Brew the beer inside the pumpkin. That makes for some great social media photos is when you have a pumpkin exploding with croissant on your countertop. It also makes for a hell of a mess, too, and a little bit of trouble during fermentation control because it's kind of hard to tempt the inside of a pumpkin. Right. But it looked but really you, cool. But you did it. We did it. It worked. How big was that pumpkin? I don't know. It was big. Bigger than I could put my arms around. I think we fit about five gallons, four and a half. The whole batch in there. Yeah, Yeah, we got the whole batch. Maybe we'll we'll, we'll run over how to make that pumpkin fermenter in the last few minutes of the show. But all right, so if you are going to use a pumpkin, um, 
scoop it out just like you're making a yeah. jack-o'-lantern? You got it. So, so, so what are the steps? So now you, you got this pumpkin. Okay, now what? And this is usually where it starts. It started for me last year. I'm driving home after a, a bad Bills-Patriots loss, and I saw a farmer, I think uh, – the press were be kicking these pumpkins to the the roadside. So he had a stand, and he had two in his hands, and he had two on the ground, and he's rolling them with his feet. And you know, I stopped by and said, you know, how much for a pumpkin? And I grabbed the the biggest one he had, and you know, obviously turned it into a fermenter. Now, like we said, but you don't have to go get a whole pumpkin. If you're not starting with a pumpkin, you can just simply start with guts and put it in there. If not, I mean, you're starting with a whole pumpkin. You don't just want to, you know, chop it up, put it in a blender, put it in there. There's a couple of things you want to do first. And the first thing is you want to carve it out. You want to take out all the seeds, take out all the guts, and kind of work it into kind of some manageable pieces. I would suggest some uh, probably like four inches wide by about eight inches long. So you kind of want to cut it into strips. And then I do try to roast it. And I have to admit... I don't think I get much flavor from this. I don't think there's really much change, but I put them all into um, some type of really good uh, baking pan so I can kind of reserve those juices that are going to flow out later to put into the beer. Um, But I'm going to sit there and I'm going to let it roast in the oven until it gets a nice caramely, you know, brown color on top of it. And I have this nice caramely liquid in the bottom. At that point, I'm going to pour off all the liquid into some vessel where I can save it to add it to the boil. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to kind of, uh, I would say, fillet the pumpkin along the skin so that I take just the guts out. And then sometimes I'll cook that down a little bit more and say, you know, a Dutch oven or, you know, large stock pot or something like that. But now you have your pumpkin. And so you got to figure out, where you want to kind of add it into the beer and you you have a lot of options and like we said it doesn't really matter much where you add them but you're going to be looking between the mash and the boil primarily and when it comes to the bag you're going to use is it the same bag the same yeah the, the nice coarse jumbo nylon bag um, or if you want to make life a little bit easier on yourself, um, grab some disposable grain bags uh, because this stuff is going to be kind of gross by the end of it. So from the mash to the boil? From same. The, well, let's, let's talk about the mash. Okay. That, that is the least fun part of the process, definitely, is putting it into the mash. Um, the pumpkin tends to separate into two things. Um, a fibrous bit that tends to stick your mash, and then a gelatinous bit that tends to sit over top of the grain and prevent your sparge water from evenly spreading across the grain bed. So this is always, I would say, my least favorite part to add it and has turned into some of the kind of biggest uh, brew days uh, where I've ended up sparging overnight, just putting all my sparge water in, opening up the kettle valve, putting a lid over top of the mash on, and just going to bed and continuing the boil in the morning because I just literally... No matter how much I back flush it, no matter what flow rate I'm trying, I just can't get it to run through. A little trick if you're going to do it in the mash is definitely put it into a bag and keep it somewhere close to the surface. That way, one, it should keep some of the fibrous bits contained. You still end up with the gelatinous bits on top. But if it's really starting to give you trouble, you can try pulling it out, try squeezing it in there uh, and getting rid of 
it that way Mm -hmm. or at least trying to cut down on some of the mess Mm -hmm. but i really would not suggest adding it to the mash i know a lot of brewers do it there's not too many complex sugars in there i haven't noticed a a difference in like gravity increase if i've cycled it into my mash do i see like a boost from it and a you know boost of simple sugars for the yeast not really so there's not a lot of breakdown um yes i would because it's not a again a conversion issue it's the fact that my sparge gets stuck and that my efficiency begins to drop because i have this gelatinous mess stuck inside my mash tun right right so mash no mash no boil short answer a lot easier right you're still going to get gelatinous stuff on top but you're not going to get stuck um and yeah still use a bag um it's going to be still a little bit messy and you're still going to seem to absorb a lot of beer into the pumpkin by the end of the boil somehow but you still want to use a bag and you want to try to squeeze it out as best as possible um again you're going to lose a lot of beer so this is maybe where you want to go with a good nylon bag because you're not going to rip it out you'll really be able to put some squeeze on it and you have written down here that make sure to ensure you don't transfer spices in some of the mess. What do you yeah. mean by that? You where don't you want the spices to go? Well, I, I unless I'm planning on it, you don't want the spices and all this gelatinous stuff to end up into your fermenter for a couple of reasons. One, the spices are going to sit there, and kind of like if you have an overabundance of hops, they can add a little bit bitter flavor as they sit there in the beer. So you want to try to get those out. And as so, far as the p- pumpkin. You don't want that clogging up your airlock, that gelatinous floating mass you're going to have, and then, you know, causing a big explosion in the basement, kitchen, wherever you're fermenting this beer. So when you're done with the boil, when you're done with chilling, do a whirlpool. Even if you usually pour your, you know, whole wort over into a bucket, do a whirlpool. Try to skim off some of the stuff on top. You know, if you have the pumpkin in a bag, pull it out, squeeze it, and then give it a good 20, 30 minutes to let everything settle down to the bottom. Maybe you want to aerate before you let it settle. Yeah. Kind of make some use of this time. But let all that protein, let all those spices settle down to the bottom of the boil and then transfer it over into your primary fermenter. All right, we got to get to a break real quickly. On the other side, we'll talk about the actual fermentation process in a pumpkin, which you did last year to some mm-hmm. success. That's up next here on Niagara Traditions Just Brewing. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. Back here on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520, Jeremy White and Bert Teister talking pumpkin beer and pumpkin brewing we took you through the steps so far now we're talking about fermentation if you really want to get bold in a pumpkin mm-hmm. which you did and it was the you did it last october it was the yep. first time you'd done it? it it was the first time i had done it on my own i had, I had done it with a another uh brewer years ago um partially because what he did is he took uh, some, uh i think with an english spiced like holiday ale 
and he put it with priming sugar inside pumpkins and put it in a cold spot in the basement. Now, obviously, it didn't build up its full carbonation there, and it was leaking out, but then he brought this in, put a little spigot in, and served it at one of our tastings, and it was very cool, very, looked very aesthetically pleasing. Mm -hmm. Um, I started to, in a, you know, after kind of taking after his advice and, and getting some advice from him, did a couple of pie pumpkin secondaries, so it's about one gallon and a couple little pie pumpkins, and again, that was very aesthetically pleasing. Uh, I didn't get too much flavor, but it looked cool. So to take it too further, a lot of people now ferment their pumpkin beers inside a large pumpkin, um, which is a very expensive one-time fermenter. But again, like we said, it makes for some great social media posts. How much does a big pumpkin run? Um, I would think I spent about like $20, I think, on this one Yeah, last year. And for you know, you're obviously not paying that much for your fermenter, so it does add yeah. to the cost of the beer. Yeah, you could get a bucket for under fifteen dollars and right. use it for a lifetime. But again, this you're we're not doing this pumpkin beer to save money, so I would say uh, go for it. And in, there's a little bit of an art to this. First thing you want to do is sanitize the outside of the pumpkin with a little bit of star sand, uh, and then sanitize a carving knife and spoon and your hands and some uh, like rather like latex, neoprene, or uh, you know dish gloves, uh, and then begin to carve out the top. It's kind of leave yourself a little key mark in there, um, just like you were doing it jack-o'-lantern and then scoop it out just like you were doing a jack-o'-lantern try to be careful that you don't take any single portion of the pumpkin wall down too thin that you might cause a leak or something like that at that point you just need to kind of use a knife or sanitized drill bit to cut yourself an airlock hole into the top of the pumpkin and then put your beer in there pitch the yeast put the lid on you can just put the lid on hope for the best we did a bottle wax next year over the top of the pumpkin which got it to seal up real nicely so we didn't notice any fermentation action after 24 hours we opened it up and we were like you know saw a big croisin put the lid back on put bottle wax around the outside of the lid and that sealed it up so that we got a good fermentation going um there's a couple of things you kind of want to check on um we noticed the pumpkin after about uh, a week was really getting quite soft above the level of the beer so the kind of top level where the croissant was kind of working back and forth started to get a little bit soft and so we decided at that point like okay it's time we need to rack it out of here it wasn't quite done fermenting and we think because it was in the side the pumpkin and it was kind of getting some sugar that it would have always kind of tailed on a little bit of fermentation there but if you see it getting soft, you want to get it off. Along the same lines, we kind of built some scaffolding. We were kind of trying to find a Tupperware container that we could kind of rest the pumpkin in that would help hold it upright as well as contain any mess. Mm -hmm. We didn't have one available, um, and so what we ended up doing is kind of using just kind of some one-by-one in one a trash bag to kind of make some scaffolding around the pumpkin so that it would keep it upright because obviously it's not perfectly flat on the bottom and also to kind of contain any mess should we create one. But everything went okay you, and you think the beer at that point beer is it, the beer is working to basically explode the pumpkin for you it. got it not just when it comes to fermentation but just the weight of the beer itself is pushing on the on the walls you got it and, yeah, and, it and then soft. you have these walls the ye yeast are not only eating away at some of the sugar but they're getting into the into the um 
you know, the kind of outer hull of the pumpkin, and then they're growing and dividing and splitting it, and they're opening up pores and opening up more of the pumpkin, and so kind of making it a little bit softer and softer each time. So be careful. Keep an eye on that pumpkin. You may have to do an emergency rack if you notice it sweating a little bit or if you notice it looks like the top's going to cave in. So watch out for those things. So you need the pumpkin, the bottle wax, a carving knife, a spoon, some rubber gloves, and that's really about it. That's it. That'll get the job done. All right, so finally, to wrap things up, tips. Tips, and we'll kind of go over a couple simple rules here when you're, you're making a pumpkin beer that will, we'll say, make this a, a little bit easier process. One, focus mostly on your recipe. Um, and two, make a sweet beer. People are automatically thinking of pumpkin pie, and they're going to expect something more sweet than bitter. So don't do that mistake I did and add pumpkin to your wet hopped IPA. Um, they're, the people who like pumpkin beers are not going to like a wet hop IPA. People who like liked IPAs were kind of questionable about drinking a pumpkin beer um, and continually ask me if there's any spice in it. Um, secondly, get the right pumpkin. If you're going to be adding it to the boil or something like that, get some pie pumpkins. What little flavor they do contribute, the pie pumpkins are going to contribute a little bit better. They were not bred to be carved. However, if you're going to ferment inside the pumpkin, get a nice big stiff carving pumpkin because it's meant to kind of hold that shape and have a big, you know, open cavity on the inside and that's gonna work in your favor um third as much as you might not want to make a spice beer use nutmeg cinnamon vanilla peanut butter extract pumpkin pie spice or mold spices everything everybody is expecting in a pumpkin pie beer otherwise people are not going to you know, uh, get the flavor. Get the flavor. Do out I of want? It. Uh, I, I'm just learning about different types of pumpkins and how they're bred. Do I want a pie pumpkin for my flavor, but a carving pumpkin for my, my fermenter? fermenter? You got it exactly. And and with the spices too, go reserved. I mean, this is true for any spice beer. A little bit will leave them kind of wanting a little more spice. Oh, I could use a little more cinnamon in this, and that's fine. Too much, and it's going to overpower them. You're going to need to give them a chaser or something to kind of get rid of, or they're going to be tasting cinnamon or anise the rest of the night. So go reserved on the spices. Another thing is make a high-alcohol beer because um, I still have my pumpkin beer from last year. You know, when you end up with 55 bottles of it, um, you serve, you know, a 12-packet um Halloween, you bring more to Thanksgiving, a couple to Christmas, a couple around the house, maybe a couple giveaway, and you still have a full case. Make something strong. If I do it again this year, I'm going to do a Belgian triple. I'm going to do something that really will benefit from a lot of age with those spices in it um, and something I can keep around from year to year because you're going to have these bottles from year to year. So you want it to be high alcohol and you still want it to be good. Last of all, put a sweet potato in it. In addition to the pumpkin. In the, or just forget place the, pumpkin the pumpkin and put the sweet potato in it. Because I found that adding half to like maybe two sweet potatoes at the most gives you a lot of vegetable flavor. A lot of kind of, we'll say, you know, pie-like flavor. And people just tend to think it's pumpkin-y. It's vegetable-y. Yeah. It's orangey. It sells. All right. Very good. Your pumpkin beer headquarters right here. Oh, yes. Best of luck to anyone who... Uh, Enters the Niagara homebrew, Homegrown Homebrew Competition. The deadline's today, so get those bottles in. Hopefully you didn't brew. We'll be there like, to help. Forget. They'll help you fill out the entry forms. Good luck to you. Go Bills. And if you decide to put a pumpkin in your mash, go brew yourself. Beer, 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 beer,
listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.